Well, we have been in the book of Exodus the last few weeks. So if you have your Bibles, be finding Exodus chapter 10 and verse 21 through 23. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 30 through 23. Uh, I mentioned before, and I'll just remind you that these plagues are, the ten plagues are all plagues that come on some god in Egypt. All of these plagues are designed to show the glory of God over the gods of Egypt, their idols. Uh, And this one is no different. You'll see in Exodus 10 verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven. There will be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness which can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven. There was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. And they did not, verse 23, they did not see one another, nor did anyone move out of his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. This is an extraordinary darkness. In uh, verse uh, 21, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness. This is a darkness that comes from God. Now usually when we talk about some Bible truth, we have something to compare it to. For example, we say God is a physician. Well, we have physicians, but we say, okay, I understand what a physician is. He heals, he helps, hopefully. And we say Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. Well, we have vines, we have branches, So we have a category, see, to define it. If I say, for example, that uh, fire burns, you would say, yeah, I agree with that. But God has a fire that does not consume. In Exodus chapter 3, remember when, when Moses was called, he was out in the mountains keeping sheep and God called him to deliver Israel and there was a burning bush that didn't burn up. So there's a fire, God has a fire, he can make a fire that doesn't consume that which it burns. See, we have no category for that. We have no grid or format in which to make that define itself. And here is the thing, that uh, when you're learning about God, some things you're just going to have to trust. God has some things that you don't have an illustration for, and so you believe his word. Uh, uh, There's a dimension beyond which we simply can't comprehend. A fire that doesn't burn things. Here is a darkness that is so thick you can't move. It says, verse 23, they did not 
see one another, and they did not rise for the three days that darkness was on the land, in verse 23. It was so intense that they couldn't move from their place. We don't have a category for that. Sometimes at my house, uh, electricity goes out, but we can find a candle or, you know, we can get the light of the moon. God blotted out sun, moon, stars, and the darkness was so thick, so intense, that they couldn't move. That's dark. It's a judgment because one of the things they did was worship the sun. God just brought judgment on the sun. God is a source of light, not necessarily the sun. Uh, Are you sure about that? I am very sure. You know why? Because in Genesis 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. In Genesis or in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, he said, let there be light, and there was light. In Genesis chapter 1, 10 verses later, he said, now we'll make the sun, moon, and stars. God made light before he made the sun, moon, and stars. God's the source of light. God wanted them to know, don't worship creation. I'm the source of all light. And so he brings that judgment upon the land of Egypt in order to point them away from the created order to the creator. So it was an an extraordinary darkness. It was also a powerful picture. Darkness in the Bible is a symbol of being estranged or alienated from God. Uh, The way John puts it, this is 1 John 1, 5, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Amen? So, when he blocks out light in Egypt, and then it says, there was light in all the people of Israel where they lived. They had light. So what is that picture? This is a picture. The world is in darkness. God's people have light. Hallelujah. See, this is a picture. And it's not just one house had light. All the people of Israel had light. So this is what God is doing to distinguish between the world. See, the world is in darkness. You can take a PhD from Harvard, and he can't tell you where we come from He'll explain it by saying, ten and a half billion years ago, and I want to argue and say, no, it wasn't quite ten and a half, ten point two three billion is my guess. But whatever. Uh, and they'll say, we were little slime pieces in the ocean froth. And from that came you, your wife, your children, we all emerged In between, of course, was the monkey, but whatever. They don't know where we came from. I opened the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, and it says, And God created the heavens and the earth, and He made man, and He made man in His image, and He made the woman for the man, and the man for the woman. That's beautiful. And the simplest believer has light in his house. 
They can say, well, but we can get people to the moon. But the church can say, we can go farther than that. We can get them into heaven permanently. Amen. So there is light in the house of God's people. This is a powerful picture. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. They don't know what the problems are. In the Democratic uh, convention, or not the convention, but the debates they had a couple of weeks ago, they asked, they said, what is the biggest problem facing humanity? One of the primary candidates for president said, climate change. I'm like, wow. I hope he doesn't get a vote, but he will. They don't know over what we stumble. They think that the changes of the climate of the universe is my biggest issue. I don't know about you, but I haven't worried about that for quite a while. It's a powerful picture of the darkness. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's people have light in their house. It's it's also a, a symbol of judgment because it is a plague. And so God has withdrawn. He's showing how he withdraws. God is light. He withdraws except in the people among the people of Israel. When Jesus died on the cross, it says in Mark 15:33 that there was darkness over the earth for 3 hours. Why? It was a judgment that came on Jesus because he was taking my place. The Bible also teaches that If we die without Christ, without hope, without the gospel, without faith, we go into darkness because we're moving away from God and His people. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 13. The king said to his servants, Take this one that is who is not a Christian, he was in unbelief, and he said, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him where? Outer darkness. See, this is a picture of judgment that is here. And you'll notice something in verse 23. They did not, verse 23, they couldn't even see one another. See, this is a picture of judgment. What's going to happen to people who perish, die, apart from Christ? And you hear this sometimes, you know, uh, somebody will say, well, I'm on a... I'm going to go to hell and I'm going to party. I'm going to see all my dudes. Well, you're not going to see your dudes because they did not see one another. Uh, (laughs) I looked this up. I wanted to make sure. But there is a song by Aaron Lewis. Y'all ever heard of Aaron Lewis? Okay, He's not a hymn writer. The name of his song is Let's Have a Party in Hell. Uh, newsflash on that, not going to happen. Tim- Timothy McVeigh, the man who was sentenced to die in the bombing of the federal building in 1995, killed 168 people in that. 
when he was executed, he said, if I go to hell, I'm going to have a lot of company. See, people have this idea, we're just going to be down there, and yeah, it'll be bad, but at least we'll, you know, get to reminisce about old times. Not going to happen. Here, he gives us a slight little window into which we can see that final judgment and where we're excluded from God and His presence and His people. Verse 23, they did not see one another. They did not rise from their place. Immobilized, quiet. But this is only three days. Think if it was forever. So here's some lessons I want to uh, uh, give to you here. Um, Three or four lessons that we draw from this ninth plague. Here's lesson number one. Uh, It is a privilege to be with God's people, to belong to them. You see that in verse 23? They, They didn't see one another, nor did anyone rise from their place for three days, but all the people of Israel had light. Hallelujah. God's people have light in their house. It's a privilege to be there. There is a distinction that I think God is making here. And if you can pull that um, slide up that has the difference God makes. Look at these. These are some of the plagues. And if you will notice, if one of the plagues was flies in Israel... Well, guess what? There were uh, flies in uh, Egypt. But guess what? In Israel, there were no flies. No fly zone. (laughs) Uh, And in Egypt, there was death of cattle. But in Israel, their cattle did not die. Do you see what God's doing here? In Egypt, hail came upon, H-A-I-L, upon their houses and people and their crops. But... Exodus 9.25, there was no hail in Israel. Even when they left, when they exited the land of Egypt, it says that when they went out, this is Exodus 11.7, against the children of Israel, not a dog will bark or growl, that they may know the Lord makes a difference between Egyptians and Israel. No flies in Israel. No hail in, Egypt, in Israel. There's light in Israel. Not even a dog was permitted to bark against Israel. What's God doing here? He's showing you that to belong to Israel, which in the New Testament would be the church, to belong to God's people makes a huge difference in your life. There's a protection, there's a blessing, and it comes to you because you're God's people. It doesn't come to you because you're perfect, it comes to you because you are God's people, and you've become God's people through Jesus Christ. He's making a difference, he's making a distinction. So it's a privilege to belong to God's people. Here's a second lesson that I draw from this, and that is there's a despair in being without Christ. They do not know what to do. They're sitting in darkness. There it is only three days, but what will eternity be? Here's a third lesson I want to give to you. And that is, we are called into light. There's a 
wonderful picture here of the nature of the church, what the church is supposed to be doing, and that is shining its light. Amen. See, uh, next Sunday morning, we got this extra hour. Well, we want to reach out to people. We want to shine our light out to people. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling and murmuring, that you may be blameless, children of God, without blemish, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Shining light. That's what the church does. It's what we're called to do. Yesterday, we had a um, harvest festival, and we brought in, I don't know, Elvis the pig, I think was his name, and we brought in sheep, and we brought in rabbits, and we brought in chickens, and we gave horse rides. You know why? Somebody said we had over 100 children yesterday. So I, I, I'm not sure. But here's why we did it. Reaching out. A church has got to let its light shine. Because what God is showing us here is that we're in a time when there is light in the world, and that light comes through the church. We must not forget who we are as God's people and what we're called to do. I was listening to a man this week in one of our denominational meetings, and he was talking about being hungry for chicken, and he went by this place called, uh, I forget where it was at, uh, but Church of God Chicken was the name of the chicken place. So he thought, that's an interesting, that's an interesting name. So he stopped at this place called Church of God Chicken, and he went in and he said, I, I got to ask you, why is it called Church of God Chicken? And the lady said, well, we used to be a church of God. And then we were serving chicken. And everybody loved our chicken. And we made so much money selling chicken that we just closed the church. Now we just sell chicken. So we kept the name Church of God Chicken. <laughs> well, I hope we don't lose our mission. Amen? Churches can do that. You can, you can develop all kinds of things, all kinds of social ministries and educational ministries where you lose your basic function, and that is shine light in the world, bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what he's teaching us here, that the church has that light, and we must not miss that. John twelve forty four, Jesus said, I am come as a light into the world, that whoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. So that's what we're inviting people to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not abide in this darkness. One other quick lesson I think we draw from this is that there is a power in this darkness. Um, he says here that they did not move from the place for three days. They were paralyzed. They were immobilized. We shouldn't view the light that we have and the darkness they are in as if it is merely intellectual or information that they need. In other words, we're not simply getting in a theological debate. There is a power in that darkness. And when you come out of that darkness, God has to bring you out. There's a paralysis about that darkness. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. 
He has delivered us from the power of darkness, notice that, the power of darkness, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. There's a power in that darkness. They felt it. They were immobilized by it. That pictures for us what we're to do. Give you a couple of verses just to illustrate this. Uh, Acts 26, verse 17. This is Paul's calling. And I want you to notice something here. Uh, God calls Paul to preach the gospel. And he says, I will deliver you from your people and the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. And you are to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God. Notice how he, how he extends that and parallels that. When you, when you turn from darkness to light, you're turning from the power of Satan to God. Darkness and the power of Satan go together. One other verse, 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 3 and 4. This, this is where Paul talks about uh, those who are lost. He says, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that is Satan, has blinded their minds, lest the light of the gospel would shine to them. Have you ever talked to someone or invited them to church and... And they're immobilized, just like right here. They did not move from where they lived. See, remember, we don't have any category for this kind of darkness. This is an illustration that there's nothing fits it. This is supernatural. It's so thick, you can't move. So when we say to them, come out of the darkness, and they laugh or they are apathetic, we have to recognize this is spiritual warfare that we're up against here. And only God can break through this. This is why you have the illustration, and Paul mentions it here in 2 Corinthians 4. He says says this, But the God who, in Genesis 1, decreed or spoke light, and he said, he's quoting Genesis 1, let light shine out of darkness. Paul says, that's the way God shines in our hearts. A sovereign act a decree of God whereby all of a sudden you understand you're in jeopardy, your soul is in jeopardy, but God is merciful, Christ is your sacrifice, your Savior, and you want Him. God who said, let light shine, has shown in your hearts through the gospel. Now, that is the picture you have here in Exodus 9 and 10. And that is that there's a, you can be in an environment where the darkness is so thick you can't move toward God. But God can move toward you. He that believes on me, he says, will abide in the light, will have the light. Let me give you this illustration. About 100 years ago, and around about 1915, Ernest Shackleton, an explorer set sail from London. The name of the ship was the Endurance, which they needed that. Bound for the Antarctica. And before they reached their goal, the ship became frozen into like an ice floe. 
And from that point, their goal was no longer exploration, but survival. They faced temperatures of 50 to 100 degrees below zero. Yay, Michigan. There were problems such as starvation, but he said, the biographer of Shackleton said, the greatest problem the men faced was darkness. Because starting about May and all the way into August, there is no light at all. The sun goes down and never comes up. About three months of pure darkness. And they said, with all the other issues that faced the men, the number one issue that destroyed most of them was darkness. It literally caused some of them to go insane. We don't know what the final judgment will be like, but we do know it will be separation from God. We do know it will be forever. If three months of darkness drives men insane, what will eternity do? Now, our church is shining light. Yesterday, we just tried to touch people's lives in an initial contact. Next Sunday, we're we're asking you to bring someone. We're trying to be light. If God anoints it, blesses it by the Spirit, shines in your heart, I hope you will say, yes, I receive you, Lord Jesus Christ, as my Savior. Would you bow with me right now? It may be you want to pray that prayer right now. If you have not prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, to be your Lord, to save you from the darkness of eternity where there's a judgment without any light at all, without God, without hope, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, Come into my heart, forgive my sins, and save me. Be my shepherd and my Savior, my Messiah, my sacrifice, and my Lord and my God forever. Heavenly Father, I pray you will help each of us to pray that prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.